Hi, everyone. Welcome to the special focus recovery from relapse Overeaters Anonymous meeting. Today is Tuesday, the 20th of March, 2023, and we are delighted to welcome Melissa S., who has come to share with us today. Melissa came to our way in 2017, and while originally from Tampa, Florida, she has lived in Louisville, Kentucky since 2004. Melissa, thank you so much for coming to share with us today, and I happily hand over to you. Thank you so much, Lee, and everybody's doing the service today. Um, and even just being here, because if you guys weren't here, I wouldn't have anything to go to. So I'm so thankful that you guys are here showing up for my recovery today. Uh, I'd like to start with a set-aside prayer. Um, it's been suggested to me that before I do any kind of step work to, to start with that and also to start my day with that. So I'm going to begin there. Um, God, please help me to set aside everything I think I know about you, everything I think I know about these steps, my recovery, my disease, and myself for a new and fresh experience with all these things. Help me to see the truth. So um, given that this is the, the special focus is recovery from relapse, I'm gonna start there where I think my relapse started. Um, I uh, came in in 2017, had some pretty solid recovery, and um, there was a day that we were on vacation as a family and my son almost drowned and I immediately like once everything was fine and he was fine I immediately just was oh thank you God for for saving him for protecting him and had all of the normal emotions that in abstinence are just very easy to feel <laughs> um and uh and was able to, to get through those the ne very next day I found out a friend of mine who um, completely unrelated, and we were in different states even, uh, her son actually did die that same day that my son almost died. And so I just went spinning, like, well, if I was saying thank you to God, then wouldn't God be to blame for not saving her son? And it, and it was this very slow process of me um, slowly taking things back from God. So that was the first thing I was like, oh, well, I can't, I guess I can't trust God with my kids. So, um, and and I'm using God, higher power, use those interchangeably. I'm sorry if that's triggering for anybody. Um, so uh, the so I just slowly started taking things back from from God and not not practicing that surrender, not not practicing step three, where surrendering my will and my life over to the care of God. Um, and so I, I believe that that's where relapse really started for me. That it was. Um, spiritual. I've heard, I think, in this meeting before, actually, that that when we get abstinent, it starts first with the food, then emotions, then spiritually, and that relapse is reversed. That usually it's spiritually first, then emotionally, then with the food. Um, and so that was my experience, absolutely. Um, and it, it it was slow, and and eventually the food did follow, and um, there those old beliefs that are easy to fall back into, like, uh, well, I've done this well so far. I'm, I'm sure that that food isn't really an issue. Now I've learned how to moderate. I, I'm, I can do this now and definitely stopped using a power greater than or outside of myself. Like is, um, like it says, I believe in the, we agnostics chapter in the big book. Um, I'm not positive it's in there, but where it says we, we needed a power outside of ourselves. We need to use that power. Um, and I, I stopped doing that. I, I just 
my world got smaller and smaller and smaller, just like it did before I ever came into the program. Um, and so it, it was interesting though, because I kept believing those. And towards the end of my relapse, um, I was talking to my sponsor. I never left program. Uh, my attendance and my service dwindled significantly. Um, and I was talking to my sponsor once I was was trying to get this this abstinence back, um, I still wasn't identifying myself as being in relapse. I so I was talking to her and and saying I it's just, I don't understand. I'm able to get to like the end of the day, or it used to be fine for me to have treats for the kids here, and now and I wouldn't touch them, and now it's like I can't not go and and get them. And uh, and my sponsor one day just said to me, "Well, you're in relapse. Of course, of course you can't." And I was like. I'm in relapse. And she only knew that because of what I had told her. I mean, that's all that my sponsor can do is reflect back to me what I share with her. And it's so, it's just so telling of how sneaky um, my rationalization is and my delusion is as an addict of that I can't, I can't even hear what I'm saying. That I'm saying to my sponsor, I can't make it to the end of the day. And I couldn't even say I'm in relapse. Um, so once she pointed that out to me, it was, it was like, oh, okay, I can't lie about this anymore. Um, and and so it, that was towards the end of um, 20, uh, sorry, I have to figure out the years here. Um, 21, 2021, uh, it was fall of that time. And so I had many, many false starts of getting back, getting my abstinence back. And I would start, uh, make it, sometimes to breakfast, sometimes the afternoon, just a, a few times I, I made it to two or three days. Um, mostly I could never make it to, to dinner um, during those last few months of 20, uh, 2021. And so it got to the point on uh, New Year's Eve that year, I was driving to a friend's house and I had, I was in the car with all my family. They were all listening to music and dancing and having fun. And I had earbuds in and I was sitting in the front seat, leaning up against the, the door. Um, I was listening to an audiobook or something and just was trying to, to protect myself because uh, life, is, life is too intense. It's too intense for me. So that's why I've needed the food all these years. I've needed this buffer. It's too... Um, every everything even even the good emotions like when i got four kids when they all come up and hug me at the same time i'm like oh my gosh this is too much life is just too much so i needed this buffer and i was doing that and it's so um i just had this moment of clarity sitting in this in the front seat driving to uh, in the passenger seat driving to a friend's house for new year's eve and realized i if i keep going on this path like i'm i'm using food to help me be present with the kids because life is too much for me but it's turned into this, this huge barrier between me and life, between me and my kids. Um, I like what I do for a living. I like my job. I like my family. I like my friends. And yet I was, the food had gotten to the point where it was preventing me from being able to, to be present for any of that, any of them, um, definitely for myself. Uh, and I just saw if I keep going down this path, I'm, I'm not going to be here for them, which is the whole reason why I'm using the food to begin with. So fortunately that day, somebody posted on one of the WhatsApp 
chats that I was a part of, um, a step study. And I was able to join a step study with two amazing people from England. One of them had long-term abstinence. One of them was brand new to program. And then I was there and relapsed. So it was great. We kind of had, we had a little bit of everything there. Um, and uh, I started from scratch. I took the suggestion from the step study that we were using at that time of making to make my make a new food plan um, instead of just relying on the one that I had when I first came to the program that worked well for me. Um, interestingly, that is the food plan that I'm, I'm it's very close to the food plan I'm on now, but uh, I didn't start there when I came into relapse. And so this this suggestion was to have um, the concept of red, yellow, and green foods. Um, so anything I knew that once I started, I couldn't stop. Um, or once I stopped, I couldn't stay stopped, I would go ahead and put on the red food list. And this was actual, actual, like I just made a list of everything I actually eat, not um, dairy. It was, I would put the actual food items on there, anything that I ate regularly. And even if it was like a casserole, I would just put the name of that on there. And then I went through each one of those food items and like, can I stop uh, once I start? And once I stopped, can I stay stopped? And so anything that was very clearly yes, when uh, I cannot, I cannot stop went to the red food list. Anything that was very clearly this, this food isn't a problem for me went in the green list. Everything else by default went to the yellow list. And this is what was different that I hadn't heard before that I found so helpful was um, there actually is no yellow list. Uh, so the yellow list, I got to go in and see what ingredients that are in this food are similar, like are also in these foods that I know are on my red list. And that can let me know. So um, just for an example, if I had uh, spaghetti and pizza on there and spaghetti was in the red food list and um, chicken Alfredo was in the green food list, but pizza was in the yellow, I could look and see, oh, well, this it's, it's this marinara sauce. Like it's that red sauce that is the common denominator. It's not actually the pasta. Um, for me personally, pasta is on there, but this is just for an example. Um, so I'm looking for, I was looking for what, uh, what's the similarities between the food that I'm eating. And that helped me get clarity on the larger food groups to avoid. And so thank you so much. So if I wasn't, um, if I wasn't sure, uh, then I, I just abstained from it for the duration of that step study. And so when I first came into program, I, I mean, to like after that relapse, I, um, I wasn't sure about a lot of things. My mind had gotten very cloudy um, I, about everything, not just the food stuff. Uh, so I had, I, I had very few things on my green list for the duration of me doing that step study, which was also a suggestion from that. And um, that that was the biggest difference from when I first was in program to coming out of this relapse was taking suggestions. Where um, when I first came in, I came in with a lot of knowledge, particularly religious knowledge, um, and I would not follow anything or uh, even the steps, the wording. Um, I I would have to get really 
uh, specific on like how I would reword it so that it would be okay for me. And um, I wouldn't, I couldn't move forward with the step if I didn't, if I felt like I couldn't like agree with, with one of the steps or, or something that was being said. Um, I was very hesitant the whole time and I, I would not take a suggestion from, from most people. Um, whereas when I came back from, uh, when I came back in, uh, like I said, I never left, but after the, the relapse, um, it was the biggest difference is I just started taking suggestions and it didn't matter who suggested it and I would just try it. So um, the OA birthday party that year was virtual. It's the only one I've ever been to. Uh, and so I attended it and I heard a lot of suggestions there that really helped um, save my life. One of them was listening to um, Acceptance Was the Answer, which is a story from the back of the big book. There's a, you, on YouTube, there's somebody reading it. And so I just listened to that every morning. That was a suggestion that was there for me. Um, and I did that for many months, uh, probably over half the year. And was uh, another thing that I, I had to do, especially those, those first 30 days are really hard um, with the food leaving your system. Um, so what I, had, what I had to do to just make it to the end of the day is I had my earbuds in all day long. And while I was, unless I was actively in a meeting or actively talking to somebody else, I had my earbuds in and I was listening to OA and AA shares on YouTube all day long. And it was so amazing to be listening to all these AA shares and hearing, like I was laughing in all the same places that the audience that was being recorded was laughing. And it, it just showed me, I have this alcoholic mind. I just have a different substance, but I think just like these people do, I think and I, and I feel just like these people feel and I problem solve just like they do. Um, and I had never thought of myself in that way before. Uh, in fact, I had a hard time even identifying as an addict when I first came into program because I'm like, it's just food. Um, really downplaying the seriousness of, of the disease. Um, in fact, I never even wanted to call it a disease. And it, it felt like, no, I just make bad choices. Um, so just just accepting that, like, okay, you guys say it's a disease, I'm going to start calling it a disease and just taking these suggestions like that. Um, the, the, another thing that was very helpful was service. I didn't feel comfortable stepping back into uh, being a sponsor um, that soon because I, I didn't know how long it would stick. I mean, I had made a few false starts and then I just didn't want to say, hey, I can sponsor somebody. But I knew that because you guys had told me this, that uh, service is, is the, the way. And in the big book, it says when all else fails, working with another compulsive overeater is the, is the surest way to prevent us from going back. And so um, I, I, I started doing that. If anybody asked, um, asked for an outreach call, I would immediately say I'm available. And um, if anybody, I started offering to take people through the doctor's opinion, even though I had only gone through it myself just recently, I had now been through it. And so I thought, yeah, I can do this. And every time I was on the phone with somebody taking somebody through the doctor's opinion, um, it helped, helped me go through the doctor's opinion again and help me get, get more clarity about the fact that I have this, this twofold 
uh, the first part of step one, step one, the powerlessness over food, um, it was twofold for me. Uh, I had the physical reaction that when the food's in my system, nothing could get in the way of me, the food, like every cell in my body was screaming for this food. And then also I have that mental twist and the built-in forgetter where I will forget what it was like in the food. Um, and so talking to somebody who's still in the food or newly out of the food reminds me of, of how I am, how my default behaviors are. Um, and, and then the obsession that comes where even if I don't have, if my body isn't craving it because I haven't had it, my mind is still obsessed with it. And I think about it all the time. Um, that, and, and the, the freedom that comes in abstinence is actually for me, a huge part of that is the relief from that, where I can talk with you and not be thinking about what I am or am not going to eat <laughs> um, and and scheming all the ways to make those things happen. Um, so the just trying to do service in any way I could. I love that there's so many invitations for service here in this meeting because it is, it, I mean, it, it doesn't seem logical to me. Like why would calling somebody help me get through this food craving? Why would um, doing tech at a meeting help me? It, like Logically, I can't quite figure it out, which I think is why me letting go, having to understand everything, and just taking suggestions was so critical to me getting into recovery. Um, and then uh, it is interesting. I had a sponsee before the relapse who was in some of the other rooms and has, has experience with alcohol and drugs. And when I told her, hey, I can't sponsor you anymore because I'm in relapse, she asked me, is it, is it drugs or is it food? Because she said I was acting and looking like my mannerisms, everything. She said it, it was just like when people relapsed in her other rooms. And I, I was really surprised by that because I had minimized my addiction for so long. And to have somebody who has real life personal and front row seats to people she loves of this happening, and to say that I, I, it was the same from that perspective, um, it, it, was, it was so helpful. I'm so thankful that she said that to me that day. Um, so uh, working the steps, uh, I actually joined a step study. And then about a month later, I joined a local step study with my uh, local in-person groups. Um, and so doing that back-to-back -back was very helpful to get me out because it was like I had just done the step a month before and and so having it wash over again um getting one thing i i know about myself is i'm very good at uh hiding and elbowing people out of my way so when we talk about in the rooms about um having the herd of people around you um being in the center of, of the pack i needed a bigger pack i needed more people because i'm so good at at elbowing people shoving people and getting over to the edge so if I am shoving people out of the way or hiding, it's gonna take me a lot longer to, to break out of that pack. So I started attending a lot more international meetings, um, joined a lot more WhatsApp groups, which has been huge for me. Um, I, I honestly, my experience now is that when people do, do outreach, it is more of a service than, the, than me receiving the outreaches. Um, having people text, uh, or, or use WhatsApp throughout the day, getting those reminders. It really keeps me in the center of recovery. Um, and it doesn't matter what it is. If it's um, a recovery-related meme, if it's a struggle that somebody's having, if it's 
something's going well, a quote from the big book, uh, all of it has just been so helpful, keeping me in the center of recovery and having having recovery wash over my mind throughout the day. Um, getting phone calls from people, sponsoring people. It's it is it is the one of the biggest ways that I am able to stay in recovery. The other thing was I really changed my step 10 work. Um, the, the, the way step 10 I'm doing it now is anytime I have a disturbance or, or feel something, I will make an outreach call right then. And I just came up with a list of about 10 names, um, where I'll call them. And if they don't answer, I go right to the next name on the list. Now, I didn't tell them I was doing this. Um, I know some people that do this that do. They say, hey, can I put you on this list? And I haven't done that. Um, it's probably a good idea to do. I just didn't. Uh, but that way I can, I know, like, if I'm struggling, if you don't answer, I'm just going to go, I'm not even going to voicemail sometimes. I'm just going to go to the next name until I'm able to connect with somebody. And being able to get get whatever that is. Coming up minutes, Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, getting that, whatever's coming up for me, uh, being able to reason that out with a fellow and, and getting that out. Um, and, and then the most critical part is turning my attention to someone else that can help. Cause otherwise that resentment takes root again and it grows. Um, and very often I don't know what's going on for me. I, I might feel frustrated about, about something over here, like, Oh, the lights in my eyes and I have this big reaction, but then I'm able to, uh, reason out with somebody and, and realize, oh, I'm actually uh, upset about this other thing over here. This actually happened yesterday. I was talking out an amends with that I needed to make with um, my sponsor and realized, oh, the, the issues that are coming out up for me here, uh, I thought it was um, this, this one thing, but it turns out I actually have a lot of fear about losing this relationship. And um, so that's been, it, it's something that I, I can't really do on my own. Uh, I can, I can do for other people what I can't do for myself. I can help, I can look at somebody else's food and a way easier than I can my own. Um, I've heard it said in a meeting before that they're, um, they started calling their disease, the disease thinking common sense. And I just love that so much because it feels like common sense. I was like, of course this is, but when, when I talk to somebody else, it's like, no, that's, this is a bad idea. <laughs> um, so being able to have uh use other people make outreach calls um receive outreach calls has has been huge for me the step tens um doing it as it comes up throughout the day um some days that means like six to eight phone calls or more and some days i might not have to make a phone call but as i become aware of something and then uh step 11 has really changed for me where i will do the daily readers in the morning and then at night, I'll do um, go through the day and, and just ask those questions that are outlined in the big book. Um, and for a while, I was just doing that on my own, uh, almost like a meditation at night, which I think is fine. Uh, but just recently, somebody asked if I could be their uh, 11th step nightly review partner. And so we started texting these back, back and forth. And I, I noticed a big difference. I had a lot more consciousness around what came up for me during that time in the evening, the next morning when I wake up. So it's almost like when I wake up in the morning and do the on awakening prayer, when it starts out by saying, um, we look forward for our plans for the day, 
I, I can pause and say, okay, God, how would you have it be? Um, and I'll get back various things. Uh, but if, if I'm having some more awareness around what came up for me yesterday, where I, what, what I could have done better, um, that often can carry into the next day. So, uh, lately what's been coming up for me is, uh, I get back from God, be, be present, um, be present in life, be present to myself, what's coming up for me, be present to my body. What does my body need right now? Um, and so that I think invitation came clear for me because I was able to see, oh, I, I wasn't present today. I wasn't aware of what I was feeling or, or how my body was feeling or when I was talking to somebody, I wasn't present. And so having that view and texting it to somebody just helped help bring a lot more, um, awareness the next day with that and then I can take that into my day and practice that that surrender um and and also have awareness when it is when it's happening uh so and then step 12 when um when Felicia read the steps I, I don't know if you guys noticed but step 12 it says having had a spiritual awakening and that's something that I kind of overlooked my first time uh, before my relapse, uh, it just was like, yeah, this is part of the thing. But now I love it because it's like, oh, this is this is what we're doing. If we work these steps, we will have a spiritual awakening, and that's the whole deal. That's why we're here. Um, and it's so helpful to me because um, I don't. I at least in the states, there's a lot of restaurants that will have special kids menus, and will have uh, like mazes on them. And when I have those mazes, if I start at the end and go backwards, I make a whole lot less wrong turns than if I start at the at where you're supposed to start. Um, so I kind of take that uh, that principle here, like, okay, I'm, if I know this is where I'm going, then I can I can be having that really clear focus of this is what I'm this is where I'm stepping towards as a spiritual awakening, and that minimizes my wrong turns along the way, um, and food is only mentioned in the first half of the first step none of the other steps bring food up and and it it is so interesting because like this is this is why I go to all of all of my feelings all of these interactions all of all of these things I'm taking personally or ways that I could do it better or if only you would do what I thought and said um it is that's that is the stuff that makes me feel the food because I couldn't I couldn't handle that couldn't handle these emotions and um, stopping the food life gets really loud really loud and I feel things I I feel things very well and I have worked hard my whole life to cultivate this ability to not feel <laughs> to have relief from these feelings good and bad. Um, I love again towards the end of the on waking prayer when it says uh, that, for, that it's the the danger of excitement, fear, anger. Those emotions aren't the problem, but the danger that that they that come with them are. And that's that's uh, the steps give me the tools to use so that I can deal with all those stuff with all those emotions and um, being able to to practice them and have support from from you guys. And, uh, I also have a lot of supportive friends that aren't in these rooms, but they know I'm here and they are, they help me, um, just as much as people in here. And it's, uh, it's amazing that I don't, I don't have to do this on my own and I can continue to foster the spiritual awakening. Um, 
and I can take that my awakened spirit out into the world. And that's where the step work comes in. That's the, the end of step 12. Um, so one of the things that I really enjoy about um, my life right now is that I, I don't have to do anything alone. When I first came into the rooms, I didn't understand that. I was like, okay, but I'm the one that's going to this meeting. I'm the one that's, that has to have this phone call or whatever. You're not actually doing it with me. But um, now I am experiencing that, that feeling of, uh, oh, I get, I, I get to talk to people beforehand and afterhand. And I have this connectivity with everybody. As I go in, I'm able to remember the principles of the program because of that connectivity. And it makes my, it makes me able to be present, makes me able to, to live my life. Now I get the opportunity to have the full human experience. I get to feel happiness and rejection and love. And um, that wasn't available to me for most of my life. And now, now I get to, um, and I don't have to, to carry things with me that aren't serving me anymore. So if there's, I can ask God, is there a lesson here? What's the, what's the invitation here for whatever the thing is? And if it's a lesson that I've already learned, then thank you for the reminder. And if it's a new invitation for me, then I can sit in it for a little bit and see what, see what God has for me. Um, and then just continue to be practicing these principles. And I have the ability to be present with my kids and my friends and myself in ways that I've, I've never been able to do before. Um, during the year of my, my first year of abstinence coming out of relapse, my uh, husband told me he wanted a divorce and our marriage was really struggling the first half of the year. In July, he told me he wanted a divorce, so we were separated. And then our divorce finalized um, mid-January this year. And so I have been through the hardest things that I've ever been through. Um, facing things that I didn't realize were happening in my marriage. Having to be honest about ways that I've shown up and facilitated some, some things that have a lot of shame for me right now. And, and I was, after the, I signed the, the divorce finalized, I just sort of, looked back and, and was able to say, I feel more loved now and more connected and, and carried now than I have my entire life. And yet I just went through what feels like it should be um, the most thorough rejection I could ever experience. And in a sense it is. And yet I still feel this love and, and I've been carried by you guys. Um, I've been able to connect to people who have a similar experience and they're able to share with me what worked for them. I'm able to learn choices. I, I always have choices. I mean, I like the choices I have, but I always have them. And I'm able to learn how to make a decision instead of just waiting for somebody to come and make that decision for me. Because then, thank you so much. If it doesn't, uh, if it doesn't go the way I, I think it should, I, I'm not at blame. I don't have to blame for that. But but now I'm, I'm learning, essentially, it feels like I'm learning how to be human. <laughs> and so I'm so thankful for all of you here today. And um, that I can share with you. And I'm looking forward to hearing from you guys too. So thanks so much.